Hello, this is another edition of Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Crunch. In today's show, we explore the idea of Earth Jurisprudence, or Earth Laws, with the director of the Australian Earth Laws Alliance, Michelle Maloney. As Michelle will discuss, the Australian Earth Laws Alliance stems from global movements for earth justice, often led by First Nations people and advocating for system change in governance and legal systems. Stay tuned for a glimpse of another world and the ideas, vision and practice of earth law. Okay, well, hello, Michelle. Thank you very much for finding the time to join us on Earth Matters for a discussion about... Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's great that you could join us. And I'm really interested to explore the idea of an Earth jurisprudence and the work that you do with the Australian Earth Laws Alliance. But I was wondering, could you just begin by introducing yourself and how you've come to be in your role? And would you call yourself an Earth lawyer? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, So my name is Michelle Maloney and I grew up out in the middle of Queensland um, at a little country town and my pathway took me to ANU to study law and political science Mm. and through many years of exploring different ways of working, I really settled into working with um, civil society around community development and other kinds of projects more so than any kind of private practice as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. But how I became part of the Australian Earth Laws Alliance is a lovely story. Um, Back in 2009, um, a wonderful academic over in Adelaide called um, Dr Peter Burden hosted the first wild law conference in Australia. It was part of the work he was doing on his thesis Mm -hmm. and it explored earth jurisprudence. It was a two or three day conference um, and it was a bit of a game changer for me. I had moved far, far away from working on anything to do with law Um, But when I went to this gathering, there were 70 or 80 people there who were engaging with wonderful material from deep ecologist Thomas Berry um, and from a a lawyer called Cormac Cullinan, and the book is called Wild Law, A Manifesto for Earth Justice. And at that conference, some lifelong friendships were made and Mm. the very beginnings of, I guess, a a movement um, of lawyers and now much more than just lawyers around these wonderful ideas of trying to return industrial society back to something that we lost a long time ago in our um, European-style culture, which is an Earth-centred worldview and an Earth-centred legal system. Mm. So the journey began in 2009. To cut a long story short, by 2012, we had incorporated as a small group called the Australian Earth Laws Alliance. And um, from there, we started to think about a whole range of projects and programs that we could run together to help challenge our legal and governance system in Australia. Which connects to this idea of an earth jurisprudence and it's, it does seem to suggest that our existing environmental laws and heritage laws aren't enough or aren't sufficiently protecting the earth. And um, Could you just explore a little more why you think we need a new legal framework? For sure. Look, Um, I think the easiest way to start the story is to really come back to the work of Thomas Berry. Thomas Berry was a wonderful deep ecologist, and he argues in a lot of his later writings, particularly a fantastic book called The Great Work, Our Way into the Future, um, that the underpinning structures of industrialised society um, are all deeply flawed. Um, They are human-centred, focused on a very obsessive 
pro-growth mentality and it's the single biggest cause of um, using up and destroying the planet. Um, interestingly, he started life as a deep ecologist, but it's his work challenging governance and law that really speaks to lawyers like myself and many others um, around um, the fact that when we look at whether it's climate change or the broader issues around the ecological crisis, whatever systems we've had in place for the last few decades, we know they're not working. Mm. Environmental law really in its sort of modern European-style industrial Western system started in the 1970s. Um, mm. Environmental law has achieved some wonderful things, and I don't want to bag it completely, but it has fundamentally um, just been mitigating around the edges of a pro-growth, human-centred, dominant world culture. And that all sounds grandiose. What does it actually mean? It means that, for example, in Australia, our legal system is very much geared to help human beings achieve whatever they want at very little... Uh, with very little consideration for the natural world. When we see um, this severe extent of logging in this country that is both um, legally allowed and encouraged by governments, even when it's not even cost-effective anymore, when we see the decimation of forests between 1788 and today, mm. um, when we see these massive coal mines being not just legally allowed but encouraged by governments at a time when all of the world's uh, scientific and, and sensible community knows that this is a very, very bad, scary, destructive thing to do. Well, we know then that the system, our legal system, our legal, economic, political and governance system is geared towards this bizarre, obsessive idea that we can just use up everything in front of us with very little impact or it doesn't matter or the Earth community doesn't matter. So Earth jurisprudence takes the world from a very different point of view. It doesn't look at singular pieces of law reform. It actually looks at shifting the whole system um, thinking about the cultural change that needs to happen to get people back to thinking and understanding their place in the world as we're just like every other uh, living organism on this earth. We have evolved here. We're part of it. It's part of us. It's very special. And our legal systems and our day-to-day -day lives should be geared towards maintaining and nurturing what Thomas Berry called the earth community. Mm. Um, and really a lot of indigenous cultures offer us very clear examples of a very different worldview, a very different kind of legal system, um, and there's much to be learnt from that. Mm. So. You're listening to Earth Matters and a conversation with Michelle Maloney, Director of the Australian Earth Laws Alliance. Let's get back to it. And I was wondering about how you see... Uh, critiques of colonisation and Indigenous dispossession relating to these ideas around earth jurisprudence and deep ecology. Um, and I've certainly seen from looking at the work and the Tribunal of uh, Nature Rights that there is a lot of um, voices of First Nations people. But how do you see yes. those yes, connections? Yeah, sure. You're spot on. Your reading and your analysis is correct. I mean, I guess... From an earth jurisprudence point of view, and maybe I'll stop using that word. A lot of people get a bit thrown by this jurisprudence. Mm. Jurisprudence is a word that's bandied around. It just means of like the theory and practice of law. It's, it's really more about the theory and the history and the, the meaning of law. Yep. So we call it earth laws. Mm. And it's not just about law. It really is about governance. I often joke that governance is the sexy stuff. It's about all the rules and the ways that we work together as any collective society, whether it's in the home, the tuck shop, or the boardroom. So governance is important. Yep. And yes... 
the origins of Thomas Berry's work on earth laws, but also many, many other people who've looked through the lens of deep ecology at that world crisis or even um, ecological economics. You know, all of these people are looking at um, looking at the world from the point of view of how do we sustain life rather than destroy it and how do we create structures that, that reflect our understanding that we are merely part of it, just a humble part of it, actually. And so by protecting the, the natural world or you know, the extension of the non-human world, we also have to look at how we treat each other. Mm. So number one, colonisation saw really the same forces that are destroying um, the natural world today started hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago with European colonisation. Um, this this need for certain communities to leave their homes, to go forth and, and you know literally rape and pillage somebody else's home, take all the goodness from it and take it home so they could make money out of it. I mean, it's a sickness when you look at so many cultures that didn't move and didn't wander off and hurt other people. Um, you do wonder why the colonising powers um, were, were doing this and what they were up to. But more instinctively here in Australia, it's not just about the inequities between humans and the horrors of colonialisation um, that launched themselves upon this continent in 1788 and continue actively, very actively today. It's also about paying deep respect to phenomenal cultures that had worked out, you know, an earth-centred steady-state economy and an earth-centred worldview 60,000 years ago, and that's the Aboriginal people here. Um, they're a very special culture, and like many, many, many other Indigenous cultures around the world, um, they really did work out and understand and prioritise the Earth community. I mean, obviously, you've only got to look at the, the, the science to see um, the state of this place when, when the Europeans invaded. So, mm. so for us, certainly for the Australian Earth Laws Alliance, front and centre is respecting and understanding um, that the First Nations people here never ceded their, um, their rights or their obligations to country. Their caring for country for millennia is what has enabled modern Australian society um, to flourish um, and certainly gosh it's it, it when the more you learn the more you delve into it and I'm obviously I should have said up front you know I'm a descendant from um, white fellows who settled slashed invaded Australia so mm. I come with um, a great burden to 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 undo as much as possible in my lifetime and to be a fairer human being yeah thanks for drawing out the um, what I see as well as the essential links between the work um, and it's really good to see because sometimes I feel like it's a bit lacking in the environment movement, a uh, yes, decolonizing analysis. But yes. I, I am also interested in how the earth laws are currently, I know you've set up some uh, structures to currently try and play out some of these earth laws and how um, they could be used. I guess it's part of an imagining of a different um, way of governance and tribunals yeah, and right. things so I mean one of the most tangible examples seems to be this rights of nature tribunal um, yeah. and there was one held last year in Brisbane as I understand and how did that like how does it happen how were the cases heard and were there rulings that came out of it or recommendations um, and were there any particular cases that kind of struck you as powerful yeah yeah, no, thank you. And um, the People's Tribunal for the Rights of Nature Australia, which mm. is its full name, or Rona Tribunal, um, is a sort of a humble but exciting uh, project all at once. And I'm really keen to share with you um, an overview of how it came to be and what our plans are next. 
But maybe before I do that, if it's okay with you, it might be helpful to to just let you know the way that AILA is structured because sure. you kind of you know, we're, we're stepping into the space of well, how do we take these big flash ideas and turn them into something practical? You know, mm. um, and so just with just a couple of minutes background. We have basically designed, um, I guess, an approach to all of our work, which is linked to these five core themes. So if you take the starting point that Ayla's theory of change is embedded within this practical approach and this theory called Earth jurisprudence, and really if we're advocates for Earth-centred law, governance and ethics, um, it basically means we need to rethink the legal, political, economic governance systems so they support the Earth community. Mm. So if that's our vision, then how we turn that into practice really matters. Otherwise, we're just wasting our time. So we've created these sort of five core themes of work, and they are changing culture, reconnecting law and governance with what matters, building community, and by that we mean civil society, creating alternatives, and transforming law and structure. Mm -hmm. And these five core themes really matter to us. Our programs uh, and our projects and initiatives all fall within one or two. Um, there are fluid mix between them. But it sort of shows that we don't think just changing um, some pieces of law on the books um, is going to change the future. It would certainly contribute to it. But right now, with the current political um, situation where, um, like many other industrialised countries, we've kind of moved backwards in the last 20 years, away from the glory days of the 1990s and ESD and, and much more, we're seeing much more of the, like, the rise of the right, um, the dying thrashes of the fossil fuel industry, you know, and in mm. Australia and around the world, we feel that we politically have gone backwards. So we think that transforming law starts with changing culture and rearranging the way we think about the natural world and our place in it. Mm -hmm. So AILA's projects all fit within those core themes. And if anyone's interested, we've got a little overview of those themes and some very cute little logos on our website, which is www.earthlaws.org.au. Great. So within that frame, one of the most powerful things we've discovered is that creating alternatives, actually I often jokingly call it show and tell. If you can show people a really different way to not just think about the world, but to frame it and to create the rules and to twist things around so that they would in fact be earth-centered, it's just a nice way, it's like a shortcut for people to sort of have a look at how things could be different. And it certainly inspires people to not just think differently, but even tweak their own work so that maybe they can be part of that. So that's where the People's Tribunal for the Rights of Nature fits in. We're very strongly of the belief that it's about creating an alternative legal system. So so let me just tell you then briefly about the tribunal. Um it stems from the International Tribunal for the Rights of Nature, which was created in early 2014, in January 2014, by the international network that AILA is part of, the Global Alliance for the Rights of Nature. Mm -hmm. And we all came together for this um, really amazing summit, people from all around the world, from the global north, global south, indigenous, non-indigenous, it's about 100 of us. And while we were there all getting together and talking about our strategies for Earth-centred governance and rights of nature laws, the Ecuadorians, and for those who are listening who know Ecuador is one of, was the first constitution on Earth, modern Western-style constitution to introduce rights of nature laws, but the Ecuadorians were very frustrated with the lack of support for the rights of nature provisions from their, their politicians of the day, and they designed this international tribunal. I was lucky because I was at the summit and I put forward a Great Barrier Reef case to go into this People's Tribunal and it was heard in Quito. Mm. And again, if anyone's interested in the details of that, um, 
they can have a look on our website. There's a few links there to it. From that, um, we decided that we would like to create um, um, a Rights of Nature Tribunal uniquely for Australia. Um, at first, we did uh, like a regional chamber. I think that was in 20... might have been in late 2014. And um, we connected that to the, to the Great Barrier Reef case. Um, and then in 2016, we put together the plan to run Australia's sort of first really dedicated People's Tribunal. Mm -hmm. So the People's Tribunal last year um, had four cases. Let me see if I can remember them. Mm -hmm. um, it was the, so the, what, the interesting thing about the tribunal, of course, is it's twisting the law completely. It's actually mm -hmm. saying in this place, this citizens' tribunal, it's not government, it's just people coming together and challenging the destruction that's happening from a very different angle. So the plaintiffs, if you will, um, are actually ecosystems within the natural world. Mm. So it really gives you a space to examine the law from a very different space, like as if we were genuinely guardians of, of, of the natural world instead of destroyers. So the cases heard last year um, were the forests of Australia, versus the federal and state government's continued allowance of logging, uh, the Great Artesian Basin yep. versus governments and the coal seam gas industry, um, and it looked particularly at the challenges and then the destruction of, of the water table created by the CSG and the fracking industry. Mm. We also had um, some amazing uh, First Nations people come over from the Fitzroy River, the Kimberley, yep. and spoke for the Mardiwara River um, and challenging its the, the government's inadequacy in managing it in such a way that it was going to flourish into the future. Mm. And then the final one was the atmospheric commons and the Great Barrier Reef versus the Australian government and the fossil fuel industry. So yeah, I saw that one. They were the like, four cases. It's great. Sorry. I, I saw that one and thought, wow, that's, you know, awesome. It's really ambitious. It's just putting it out there, the atmospheric commons. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, we realised we wanted to do more than just speak for the reef. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and because the atmospheric commons, you know, without that beautiful thin layer of um, atmosphere around our planet, there would be mm. nothing here. So it's a pretty mm. important part of the Earth system. So, so yeah. So, look, it was a one-day thing. It was very ambitious, brought together between 30 and 40 speakers, and we had 200 people attend. It was at the Banco Court in Brisbane. And um, we've got some written judgments that are nearly ready to come out. It's okay. taken a little while because um, we're a small NGO and yeah. we're not funded. So if anyone's listening and you love what we're saying and you have money, do think about donating. Um, small little side footprint there. Oh, for sure. Um, but we're hoping that within the next, probably within the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a really cute new website just for the tribunal and mm. all of the video footage from the speakers and such and presentations will be available. Now here we go again with another swipe from the pen of the white man in another land. This is Earth Matters. I'm Emma Crunch and we're hearing Michelle Maloney from the Australian Earth Laws Alliance reflect on the 2016 People's Tribunal for the Rights of Nature. Let's hear about the plans for the upcoming 2017 Tribunal. But what is exciting is that we're now working on the 2017 Tribunal and we're shifting towards um, just having one major issue per 
tribunal so that mm-hmm. we can bring more and more local folks together to do that. Um, and I am really pleased because we're going to be heading to Adelaide mm. and our People's Tribunal will be challenging, the, it'll be the bioregions of South Australia challenging the nuclear industry. Great. We're going to have three <laughs> cases within that space. One will be the legacy of Maralinga mm. and what that has done to the land and the people there. The second one will be the long-term um, uranium mining that's been going on over there at Roxbury Downs and a few mm. other places. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is the most contemporary and the most challenging for the locals there who are battling it um, are the various nuclear waste mm. dumps that are being proposed for South Australia. So, yeah, we're very excited about that. Yeah, that's great to hear. And actually, yeah, I've done a lot of, bit of an aside, but yeah, a lot of anti-nukes activism and actually was hearing about it from Gillian Marsh Oh, um, when she was down in Melbourne for the Nukes Free Strategy Meeting. So, yeah, yeah um, definitely a timely and great place to have the next tribunal, I reckon. That's right. And I think what we're thinking at the moment is um, if we can say every second tribunal be out somewhere other than Brisbane, mm. then that means we can be a roaming space for, for folks to come together around issues. But then every other year we'll do it in Brisbane, which is Ayla's um, kind of base or heartland. Um and that, that enables us to kind of build the momentum we started back in, back in, oh, so far away, back last year. So, mm. But, yeah, look, I, I must say that I never planned for it to take so long for us to pull the materials together from the tribunal last year. But now that we've got our kind of system set up, we're really, we plan to have um, the recommendations or the judgments from the People's Tribunal in Adelaide come out within the month after that event. So that's, that's the pattern we'll be setting from here on. Mm. Great. Yeah, so really exciting. Um, I feel like we could talk on and on, but probably need to just about bring it to a close. I mean, I was going to uh, uh, mention, I'm interested in your opinion on the the Maori tribe winning recognition for the Wahanganui River recently. Oh, fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. Um, all of us earth lawyer types. Oh, and you asked me, do I think of myself as an earth lawyer? Look, as much as I think of myself as a lawyer at all, um, I'm definitely for the earth. Yeah. I often think of myself more as um, a change maker and a humble little person trying to work with others to, to shift the system a bit. So, But yeah, look, um, it is a very exciting um, number of pieces of law. They have all emerged out from under the Treaty of Waitangi, mm. their compensation agreements effectively between the Maori mm. people um, and the, the New Zealand government. And so New Zealand now has three ecosystems um, that have got varying degrees of legal status exciting very innovative uses of what we often call them is they're like a a creative use of a western legal construct so yeah. you know a lot traditional peoples didn't have the idea of rights of nature that was that's a ridiculous idea to a truly earth-centered culture mm. um you don't have to be speaking for the rights of something because you're already embedded in ensuring its health and long-term uh, life but mm. certainly using those constructs to push back against the modern system is a very handy thing to do. Michelle Maloney, Director of the Australian Earth Laws Alliance. And you can find out more about the work of Ayala and links to the People's Tribunal for the Rights of Nature at allthews.earthlaws.org.au. This has been Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio on the land of the Wurundjeri people in Fitzroy, Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Crunch, and you can steam or podcast the show on 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters and can email us at earthmatters3thenumbercr at gmail.com. 
or find us on Facebook. The track on today's show has been Law, and that's L-O-R-E, by Madeline Hudson. And once again, thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association for their ongoing financial support. Please be sure to tune in again for more social and environmental justice stories on Earth Matters. Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? 
Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, worker stories and union news. Grassroots Voices broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. Do you want to dig down into the dirt and find out what's going on in the activist community? Are you concerned about environmental and social justice? Friends of the Earth has a new radio show, Dirt Radio, Mondays 10.30 on 3CR. Join us to dig the dirt. Global Intifada. Bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. <laughs> 